Good morning, church. Welcome to Calvary Monument Bible Church. It's good to be here uh, with you today. It is Thanksgiving week, so happy Thanksgiving week to all of you who are here. I pray and trust that there will be much gratitude on your minds and your hearts as we approach this season together. We have a memory verse for the month of November. It's from the book of Philippians chapter 4. The chapter will be in today. Uh, It's verse 6. We can say it together. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Philippians 4, 6. Very good, uh, very appropriate verse for this time of year and right from the letter that we have been studying. And we are actually going to complete Paul's letter to the Philippians today. Just like our football season on Friday night, all good things must come to an end. And uh, and so today uh, we will bring a conclusion to Paul's words to the church of God in Philippi. And we have been uh, looking, last week we started uh, looking at patterns for standing firm. And we showed how Paul had in some ways bookended his letter to the Philippians uh, with the concept or the idea of standing firm in the Lord. And so you remember we looked at seven patterns for standing firm in the Lord last week. Relational harmony, joy, gentleness, freedom from anxiety, reliance on God, higher thoughts, and faithfully forming lives. And we talked a little bit about how there is much in this world that exists today that threatens to throw off our ability to stand firm in the Lord. There is a lot of uncertainty in the world. There is a lot of fear. There is a lot of doubt, misunderstanding, polarization. All of these things threaten to throw off the church's ability to shine for the glory of God, shining the light of Jesus and having effect as salt and light in the places he plants us. And so today we want to add five more patterns for standing firm in the Lord uh, that appear and and come to light here at the end of Paul's letter. So if you have your Bibles or if you have uh, the app on your mobile device, you want to go ahead and turn to Philippians chapter 4. We're looking at verses 10 to 23 today. Philippians 4, 10 to 23. And before we read from God's word, let's pray and ask him to guide our time together. Father, we gather around your word today as a community ready to be moved and filled by your spirit. Uh, This indeed, Lord, is an activity that we participate in every week uh, that is uh, mysterious and divine. Your word is living and alive. It's active um, and it works in ways that often we can't comprehend. You use these words to form your communities and form the individuals who are part of them into the image of your son, Jesus. We, we do not endeavor to know how that works, but we embrace the mystery of what this is as we gather around this sacred text and you use it to grow your people in ways that you would have us be effective in the communities that you've placed us in. And so, Lord, we come around these words today with minds ready and hearts open, ready to learn, ready to grow, ready to hear from your spirit. And we trust that you will apply to each and every one of us exactly what we need 
for the days ahead. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 to 23. Paul's concluding words to the church in Philippi. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you've revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet, it was kind of you to share in my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I'm well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The, the brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. So as evidenced by the you that concludes verse 9, if you look right up above in verse 9, you'll see the word you. There's that verse that concludes and verse 10 opens up with the word I. Paul is inviting us back into information that was relevant to his current personal circumstances. And what hovers over this entire portion of Paul's letter is his gratitude. Paul is thankful for the sacrificial support and partnership of the Philippian church. While Paul does not directly use the words, thank you, they are certainly implied. Biblical scholar Gordon Fee notes that the expression of a word like thank you was not part of friendship or partnerships in the Greco-Roman culture. Now that sounds unusual to us because when someone gives us something, our response is to say what? Thank you. That is part and parcel of our culture. It was not part and parcel of the Greco-Roman culture. True friends did not need to express thanksgiving directly for items that were given or received as gifts. And with this in view, the way that one might express gratitude indirectly was by rehearsing a history of concern and support that one had had for another. And that's exactly what Paul is doing here at the end of his letter. And so recognizing this, we might consider gratitude to be another way for the Christian community or individuals who are part of it to stand firm in the Lord. And what an appropriate week for us to practice gratitude with one another. As we gather around with friends and family to participate in a uniquely 
uh, American holiday that is Thanksgiving. I remember years back, uh, it was one of Sheila and I's first trip. I think it was actually our first trip uh, to visit the country of Haiti. And it was around the Thanksgiving season. And I was reminded and introduced to the reality that Thanksgiving is a uniquely American tradition. Uh, no other country has cause to celebrate it. It's amazing. As Paul concludes his letter, he's reflecting on the deep value of the partnership that he has had with the Philippian church. And once again, we see him overcome with great joy. Look at verse 10. I have great joy in the Lord because now at last you have again expressed your concern for me. The flames of Paul's great joy in the Lord had been stoked by the kindness and the concern of the Christian community in Philippi and how they had cared for him. And another pattern for standing firm in the Lord that should cause the Christian community to shine the brightness of Christ is the pattern of kindness. In an act of kindness showing their concern for Paul, the church sent one of their own a man named Epaphroditus, to visit Paul while he was under house arrest. And during his visit with Paul, Epaphroditus would fall gravely ill, but he would still receive a vital and encouraging update on Paul's ministry that he would take back to the Philippian church. He was able to deliver the gift that the church had pulled together for Paul. And when healthy... He was able to return to Philippi, and one of the most significant things that Epaphroditus was able to do was deliver the letter that we're studying today to the Philippian church. In verse 14, Paul affirms the kindness of this church when he says, It was kind of you, it was kind of you to share in my trouble. And so if the Christian community shares together in the grace of God, which we do, every one of us who are called by God share together in his grace, then we should also share together in the troubles that come as we endeavor to live out our faith and our calling in this world. And troubles will come. Amen? Man, Jesus said that. My mechanic said that to me a few weeks ago. I know some of you share that we, we blew a head gasket in one of our vehicles. And as you know, that's a, a pretty uh, expensive fix. And as I was leaving his shop, he said, Jesus said, in this world, you will have troubles. And I said, thanks, Lee. I know. <laughs> He's wonderful, by the way. A uh, wonderful Christian man. We, we appreciate having him. But, but certainly, in this world, we will have troubles. It's great to know that we have a community supporting us with kindness and grace to walk with us through those troubles. We don't have to go through it alone. But Paul didn't want the people in Philippi to think that he was regularly in dire need of this level of support or engagement, because that wasn't the case. Look at verse 11. He says, I have learned to be content in every circumstance. The structure of Paul's ministry did not rely on the fiscal support or the physical partnership of the churches that he had planted. 
And though he was deeply thankful for their gifts and their partnerships, he knew that each Christian community that he had planted would have its own challenges and its own struggles to process and work through. And this meant that the sending of support or even them being strategically intentional with their partnership would not always, if ever, be a reality for many of these newly planted congregations. And so rather than relying on being sustained and supplied by others, Paul had learned to rely on something far more effective, sustaining, and life-giving. He briefly rehearses the seasons of his ministry in verse 12. Take a look. I have experienced times of need and times of abundance. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of contentment. Whether I go satisfied or hungry, have plenty or nothing. And within this verse, we might find ourselves a bit curious as we're left to ask Paul, what is your secret to contentment? For Paul, standing firm in the Lord meant living with contentment no matter his current lot in life. And he delivers his secret of contentment in verse 13. Look at what he says. I am able to do all things through the one who strengthens me. Now, growing up in the church, and, and perhaps many of you, I have heard this verse used in some of the most unusual of ways. Uh, I liken it kind of, uh, if you grew up in the 80s, I'm aging myself here, I know, bear with me. There was a cartoon on TV in the 80s, it was called He-Man. And He-Man had this sword, and it was this secret sword. And when he held his sword up, he had the power. He transformed into a mighty warrior. And sometimes uh, in my life growing up, I used this verse just about in that exact manner. Man, I really want to qualify for the states in the 100 meter dash. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And then I went out, got in the blocks, and ran the same time. <laughs> and didn't qualify. And, you know, perhaps some of you have used it that way over the years. I certainly have. And not saying there's anything wrong with that. I, I'm maybe implying that Paul has something greater in mind as he's writing. I've also seen it in terms of personal advancement, uh, perhaps in our career or otherwise. Getting ready to go into a discussion with your boss, a performance review, and before you go in there, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. <laughs> I can do it. I can do it. I've seen that. Maybe to win a contest or competition. It didn't work for us on Friday night, by the way. <laughs> I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And maybe you go out and you lose. This is not exactly what Paul's intending for this verse in Philippians 4.13. It's not to be a pill that we take to give us supernatural strength. It's not to be an incantation that we should pray before going into some kind of job performance or review. Instead, it is, as Paul has described it, the secret to Christian contentment in this life. That's what it is. 
And perhaps for a moment today, the Sunday before Thanksgiving, when many of us are thinking about all the things that we have coming on the horizon this week, perhaps it would be good right now to take a deep breath and ask ourselves as we sit in our pews, am I content right now? Whether you're home, watching online, whether you're here today, ask that question. Am I content? And if not, why? Why not? What is going on, perhaps, that's causing discontentment? Maybe today as we sit here, we're in a season of deep discontentment. Maybe it's our current situation in life. It could be our job. It could be difficulties with our children. It could be something we're going through with our spouse. Perhaps there's personal sin in our lives or even a situation that we're dealing with that's causing great discontentment. Perhaps we are in need as we sit here today or we feel as though we're in need. We're feeling as though we're alone with limited or no relationships or little resources to walk with us where we currently are right now in this situation of life. Paul's secret to contentment is to remind us that the one who lives within us is able to strengthen us for every walk and season of life. And here again, I love that Paul is a man who practices what he preaches. We can look at Paul's example and we can see it. Here's a man who's under house arrest in Rome. He's awaiting a trial that is going to produce an unfavorable outcome for him. His influence had waned. His material resources were drying up. His relationships were limited by his imprisonment. He could no longer travel and do the thing that he loved, planting churches. If anyone had reason for discontentment in this life, it could have been Paul. In the situation he found himself in, in Rome. And yet this is not the theme of his letter. Nor is it the focus of his message in this part. Instead, he is magnifying the source of our contentment. The broader principle that this verse invites us to live life by. Is that it's the strength of God that is with us. Carrying us through whatever season or circumstance We're facing in this life the good, the bad, the hard and the ugly seasons. Our contentment is in knowing that regardless of what circumstances we are presented with today or tomorrow or any time in this life, that God will be faithful to strengthen and sustain us for the purposes he has intended. Amen. Amen. Now, look. When I used those verses, that verse, that way, when I was younger, so much of what I've experienced over the course of the last four, five, six years of my life hadn't been experienced. I didn't know. I didn't really know that much about difficulty and hardship. I hadn't wrestled or walked through trials in my life. And as adult life has unfolded as it has for many of you here and as difficult things have come and as waves have crashed over of seasons of discontentment and of hurt and difficulty 
and pain mingle together with all the joy and the good that comes too. I'm learning more and more and more about what Paul means in this verse. You know, I was just talking to my dad about this last night. They were over Stanley's birthday, um, and we were out in the garage. I put the garage door down and cooked on the grill. I wasn't going to lose an opportunity one more time. And you know, the way, the way that I'm wired, I am just so quick to just move on to the next thing and just not sit in contentment with what God is doing or has done. I'm so quick to look out ahead and to say, what's next? And I felt myself going there Saturday morning on my morning walk. Already, I felt myself going there. Here we are. I haven't shared much about this. Friday night, you know, we just, our season ended. We, we had an incredible football season, 11 and 1, did things that had never been done in the history of Slanko football. And on my walk, as I was processing things that had just happened, I found my mind immediately going to what's next? What's next? And in the moment, I felt that still quiet voice saying, can you just be content with what I'm doing right now? Because this is, this is the truth, congregation. This is the truth, church, friends. God is always working in our lives. He's never asleep. And so because he's always working, he is always doing something. And sometimes I'm moving so fast, so fast, and moving on to the next thing that I just don't stop and take a moment and look and say, Lord, what are you doing right now? Help me to be content in it. Whether it's hard, whether it's good, whether it's challenging, or whether it's easy. Contentment. Every single moment. Contentment. All things, Paul says. Each of us from time to time in life are likely to find ourselves in a place or a season where it does feel lonely. Maybe some of you are there today. No one can relate to the things that we're work, working through or, or facing. And contentment in those times may mean that we remember and speak truths to ourselves in those seasons, that we are not alone, that there is support in this life, that there is abundant love that comes in being in Christ and that God has surrounded us with others in Christian community who can walk with us, be with us, love us, and support us no matter the circumstance we're facing. If today you happen to be wrestling or struggling with an incredibly difficult season right now, then my prayer for you is that through Paul's words in verse 13, you would know and believe and have assurance that God is able to strengthen you today so that you can persevere and continue to shine and have effect for him in this world, wherever you're at right now. Paul found encouragement 
He found joy. He found gratitude. He found contentment in the Lord, recognizing that the Lord was working in and through his people to support Paul in both the joys and the difficulties of his ministry. At the beginning of his ministry, Paul remarks he, he felt alone, but he was lifted. He was encouraged by the financial support he received by the church in Philippi. Look at verses 15 and 16. And as you Philippians know, at the beginning of my gospel ministry, when I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in this matter of giving and receiving except you alone. That's it. Even in Thessalonica, on more than one occasion, you sent something for my need. Again, in rehearsing this history of their partnership, Paul is expressing gratitude in a roundabout way. But one of the things that he's most grateful for is the generosity of the church. Few churches had been willing to fiscally partner with Paul in his ministry. And fiscal partnership was not Paul's, uh, not necessarily a source of concern for Paul all the time. He says as much in verse 17. I do not say this because I'm seeking a gift. Rather, I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. This partnership that uh, they had in ministry would mean that both Paul and the church were a sort of reward one to another. The church in Philippi could be joyful regarding Paul and his ministry as they invested in him. And Paul was overjoyed by the charity of the Christians in Philippi because it demonstrated to him that the gospel was truly having effect within their church. And Paul encourages them regarding the gift. Look at what he says in verse 18. For I have received everything and I have plenty. I have all I need because I received from Epaphroditus what you sent. A fragrant offering, acceptable sacrifices, very pleasing to God. The words that Paul is using here would have pressed the minds of the believers who had Jewish backgrounds towards the priesthood. And indeed, we as a church today would affirm that we are a kingdom of priests. The priest offered sacrifices on behalf of the people. Throughout the New Testament, Paul and other writers have indicated that believers today, living now, us, can still make sacrifices to God. Here in verse 18, it's material, it's material possessions. But in Romans 12, we're called to offer our body as a living sacrifice. In Romans 15, we are to sacrifice the fruit of our ministry in Hebrews 13, our praise is to be offered as a sacrifice to God and our good works as well. A gift to a local or global ministry partner is to be viewed as Paul views it. It is a gift unto God. And when given joyfully, it's a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, very pleasing to God. Generosity then becomes one of the ways that we function as a kingdom of priests. It's what today's priesthood looks like. Our offering to God is sacrificial giving above and beyond what may seem reasonable or expected. And this could be finances. This could be time and talents, though, as well. It doesn't just have to be finances. It could be a sacrifice of prayer could be serving the community. What often keeps us from this type of generosity is the fear that in giving to others, we might somehow experience lack 
in our lives. It's a fear that Paul wishes to alleviate in the very next verse. Take a look at verse 19. And my God will supply your every need according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Now, one scholar remarked regarding this, this verse that it says, quote, God will supply every need, not every greed, end quote. <laughs> I keep that in mind. But isn't it true that in the economy of Christ, the riches are both glorious and innumerable? And some of us have uh, given sacrificially before, and we've experienced the promise, this promise, powerfully, firsthand. And it's not, a, it's not a promise to make Christians rich or more fiscally secure. It's a promise that should encourage us to live a lifestyle of generosity by faith, knowing that in Jesus, every one of our needs will be supplied. The supply comes from Christ. And it might not look like more material resources or possessions or economic security or bigger homes or bank accounts. The supply actually might look like the very contentment that Paul has just endorsed. Many of you have given sacrificially and have been supplied with abundant joy and contentment as you watch the gift that you have given be received and used for the glory of God. In fact, that's one of the reasons we love to hear reports from our global partners. When our global partners come and they share, we get to hear of the work that God is doing through our partnership and support of them, whether it's prayer or whether it's financial. And so before his send off, isn't it appropriate that Paul ends this section? Some of you remember growing up in churches. I grew up in a church that what did you do before you took the offering? Anybody remember? Praise God from, right? Or after, I don't know, some before, after, doxology. Paul's talking about giving. I just sang a little bit. Sorry if I scared any of you. I don't do that regularly. So. What does he end with, though? In verse 20, we give praise and thanks to God when he supplies our every need, taking no gifts that he gives for granted, reminding ourselves, and we rehearse as a community that God who is our Father, is gracious to give to us good and precious gifts, the most precious of which was His Son, Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Look at verse 20. May glory be given to God our Father forever and ever. Amen. And friends, as we approach the end of the year, generosity is going to be on a lot of our minds and hearts. In fact, this week, this past week, um, Sheila and I were in the city together and, and we happened to see that it was the extraordinary give or the extra give, they call it now. I believe that there was over $10 million that was raised within our community to support many local nonprofit ministries. Uh, generosity is something that comes up regularly this time of year. And I would encourage our community to embrace and live out the implications of verse 19 as it pertains to our own sacrificial giving this time of year. And though I say that as the lead pastor of this community, I understand that God may be directing each and every one of us to give in a sacrificial manner to a person or a ministry that's outside of our immediate Christian community. And I would encourage you to give generously as God directs your heart 
and your mind. Many of you have relationships with global partners and ministry workers that maybe aren't a part of our community. Feel free, give to them, support them sacrificially. There is enough in the Lord's economy for no one to have lack. We will have enough as we live for the Lord. As a community of faith here at CNBC, uh, we will also practice the principle of living and ministering as if we thoroughly believe that God is going to supply our every need in Christ Jesus when we practice generosity and giving generously. In all of our generosity and sacrificial giving, whether near or far, our prayer is aligned with Paul's prayer. No matter how we give or what we give, whether it's financially, whether it's sacrificial time and prayer, may the glory be given to God. Amen? Through all of it, he should get the glory. So now we enter into Paul's final words. This is his send-off to the Christian community in Philippi. Let's take a look at them all together. Verses 21 to 23. Give greetings to all the saints in Christ Jesus. The brothers with me here send greetings. All the saints greet you, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you in spirit. And the final pattern for standing firm in the Lord is grace-filled hospitality. The theme word in verses 21 to 23 is the word greet. Or greetings. A greeting is a form or a pattern of hospitality. We're being hospitable with people when we welcome them or greet them into our presence. Now, I don't know about you, but I have some folks in my life, some relationships that, you know, they're a little bit more um, or less inclined to do a greeting. Sometimes they're just very focused individuals and, and I can walk right by them in the hallway and I'm a very by nature, extroverted, bubbly person, and I'm ready to shake a hand and say hello, but I can tell they're just on a mission. You know? And, and, and there's people like that in our lives, but we have to remember that one way that we demonstrate hospitality and grace to one another is by greeting one another when we can. I know some of you type A's, you're just on a mission. I get it. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that that mission gets accomplished and it is good. But Paul's reminding us here that, that Christian communities, it, they, they love and they greet and they welcome one another. And that's what he's doing here. And you know, it, isn't it interesting? He's showing the church that the Christian community expands beyond the walls of their physical space. It's not just about the people who were in Philippi. Yes, this entire letter is directed to them, but Paul wanted to take an opportunity at the end of their letter to make sure that they were aware that there were a lot of other people with them who were also sharing in ministry in other spaces and locations throughout the known world. We are a family, friends. All who are in Christ are brothers and sisters, a community of saints in Christ Jesus. From the Roman Christians who were living in Caesar's household to the Christians in Philippi and all of those believers in between, Paul says there is warmth of greetings. And friends, we do well to remember this. We do well to remember that the community of Christ extends beyond the borders of our country reaching into the uttermost parts of the world where our brothers and sisters in Christ are living and practicing their faiths in ways that look different 
than how we practice it here. And that is okay. As Paul has reiterated numerous times throughout this letter and in others, it is Jesus Christ who holds the church together and who unites the church as one body. He is sufficient to do that work. Christ is enough. It's this very grace that enables us to live and move as Paul has encouraged the church to live and move throughout this letter. And so at the end of Paul's letter, we're left with this marvelous piece that had centered on Jesus, calling the Christian community to think and to live as Jesus lived, motivating and encouraging a complete and utter reliance on the Lord, giving us insight into the surpassing worth of knowing Christ and identifying fully with him, showing us the good examples of a life submitted unto God through Christ and the bad examples of those who rely on the law and their own credentials or ambitions. Paul's demonstrating gratitude for the partnerships that God brings to us in this world as we participate together in Christ, supporting one another through acts of kindness and generosity. He has called us towards attitudes of joy, contentment, hospitality, grace, peace, and unity in Christ. And in practicing all of these things, both individually and corporately, we demonstrate that we have taken on the mind of Christ, shining the light of Christ and having effect in this world he's planted us in. Philippians then becomes for us an image or a portrait of what it looks like to live and to think Christianly in the world today. One of my favorite parts of Friday night was, and I know that sounds odd, we lost, but after the game, I was in the end zone and I was standing together with a local pastor who is our team chaplain and another coach who I worked with for a number of years who also happens to love Jesus and work at Solanco High School. And you know what we were talking about in the end zone? We weren't talking about the game. We weren't talking about the wins or the loss, the season or anything else. Do you want to know what the question was? As we huddle together, what's Jesus been teaching you lately? And we stood in the end zone and we shared about the grace of God in our own lives. And after sharing for about 15 or 20 minutes, we hugged. Because, you know, I said to those guys, I said, I am so thankful to be able to live and work in a community with men like you. Where we can openly talk and share our faith in these public spaces and invest in the lives of these students in a way that makes a difference for the glory of God and the name of Jesus. And friends, that's just what God can do. When he puts us in the places he puts us in and he brings the people around us that he brings to us, we all have different people that we see each and every day. That's the light we can shine. That's the salt that we can be uh, in this earth. And I said to them, uh, Blake looked at me, he said, what are you preaching on right now? I said, oh, we're just finishing up Philippians tomorrow. And then we went into a five-minute conversation on the book of Philippians and how wonderful it was. And I told him, I said, I think I need to start all over after talking to you two for the last 10 minutes. We go through it all over again, but we won't, we won't do that. We start Advent next week, our Advent series, and we're looking forward to it. I want to invite our team to come today. You know, it doesn't often happen like this, but today we have a point of immediate application for the text. 
And I was going to wait to share a little bit about this, but I just think it's so appropriate. We need to share about it right now. We, we have a way as a Christian community today to demonstrate this gratitude, kindness, contentment, generosity, and grace-filled hospitality. Uh, there's an opportunity that's coming right, right now uh, that's very near to CNBC. Uh, our refugee ministry team has been working very hard over the course of the last number of months to prepare to receive their first family. And next week, uh, our first family is coming. It is a family from the country of Congo. If you're not familiar with what has been happening in the Democratic Republic of Congo, I would encourage you to go online and educate yourselves about some of the atrocities that have taken place in that country. Uh, this is a young woman and her three children who are going to be coming uh, to live in Lancaster County. And our team could really use your support and your help. Uh, they have a number of people on the team that are going to be doing uh, some, some things very hands-on. Uh, but they would love to have you partner with them in some way. And so if the Lord is encouraging your heart uh, or motivating you to participate in any way, whether it's through prayer, whether it's through financial support, or whether it's through the donation of items that they're going to need. I'm going to give you a list here in a second of some of the needs that they have. I would just encourage you to prayerfully consider how you might be part uh, of this ministry. If you'd like to uh, contribute financially to it and you want to put a check in the boxes in the back, just please make sure you list that uh, on the memo line so that we know that it's supposed to go to the refugee uh, ministry and welcoming this family. And so here are the things that, that this team is going to be doing this week. And if you have further questions about any of these, please uh, reach out to Neil, connect with Neil, and he can do his best to answer the questions. But they're going to be meeting um, this woman and her children at the airport uh, when they arrive. They're going to be helping them get the apartment set up. Uh, she'll be living in Lancaster. Uh, thankfully, she does have family in our community, and so we're uh, trusting and hoping that that uh, family will be involved in some way as well. Um, and then uh, the, we're not quite sure about what further involvement is going to look like at this point. But there are some needs, and thankfully one of them has been supplied. There was a need for uh, child seats, and I believe that that need was supplied. Yep, I see your head's nodding. So that need was supplied. Uh, but maybe you'd like to make a sign for the group that's going to the airport to receive this family, just a, a welcome sign uh, or some kind of uh, a encouraging sign for the family to see uh, that we're here for them, we love them, we're ready to receive them. Uh, perhaps you'd want to uh, purchase some non-perishable items. There's a list that you can get from our ministry team. If you see Neil, he can give you the list uh, for some non-perishable items. Um, uh, also, uh, they're going to be looking for baby items, uh, fruits and vegetables, uh, and other things. There's certain markets that Neil could give you uh, that they're suggesting that you shop at that are more internationally uh, minded and have uh, more of those things. Warm clothes. Uh, coming from the Congo, friends, let me tell you, no amount of warm clothes is going to be enough. So keep them coming. We know firsthand experience, gloves, hats, sweaters, warm, warm clothes. Uh, if you have warm clothes, certainly uh, you could provide those too. And then if you'd like to volunteer in any way, I would encourage you to reach out to either Neil or Lois. But uh, I just couldn't think of what a better way to direct, directly apply some of the principles in this text today than involving ourselves and in pouring uh, our lives out uh, for this family that's coming from Congo. 
So before our team leads us in the final song, uh, let me pray. And then, uh, Neil, you guys are meeting today after ABF hour, is that correct? The, the team will be meeting after ABF hour, so if you'd like to have some time in between now and the ABF uh, hour just to catch up with, with Neil about what they'll be discussing, he's over here today and available to you. If you're watching online, um, just contact the church uh, if you'd like to participate, and we'll get you in touch with Neil and the team. Let's pray. Father, thank you again uh, for your word. It has been a joy to be in this letter to Philippians and to be challenged by the portrait of Jesus that Paul puts out so clearly to the community. Father, we want our lives to be formed in the image of Christ. We want to look more and more like your son, Jesus. The world we live in makes that very hard. There are lots of challenges. There are difficulties. There is a lot of things that cause us to feel unsettled and uncertain. But yet, Lord, we know that through your word, through prayer, and through the community of believers that you place around us, that you can help us remain steadfast and immovable, and that you can cause us to shine by the power of your Holy Spirit in Jesus, who's at work and alive within each and every one of us. So we thank you today, and we pray that as we prepare to go forward this week into our communities, that you would just cause us to be bright for you. In Jesus' name, amen.